but we get more out of focusing on serving the people who serve the potential clients. This is where your business can grow in a real organic way. Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. friends, welcome back. And if you're new to the show, this is where we talk about growing our business as personal historians. That is, we talk about helping clients create life storybooks and other legacy projects to share with their family, their friends, and future generations. Today, we have Tom Cormier with us, and I am super excited to talk to him because he's doing some really interesting things in the world of legacy with his business, with a platform that he started to help people save their stories for free, and just loads of other stuff. Tom co-founded a few distinct organizations, including the Living Legacy Project, the International Association of Storykeepers, and LegacyStories.org, which is working to preserve oral histories of elders in the in a mountain village in the foothills of the Great Smoky Mountains. I, I so want to be part of that project. And you also may recognize his voice. Uh, for 15 years, Tom was the host of a nationally syndicated radio show called Let's Talk America. Tom, welcome to the Life Story Coach podcast. Nice to be with you here, uh, Amy. Well, I am so glad that you agreed to join us. Um, I've heard you speak before, and uh, what I want to start off with is something that I, I heard you talk about. And like a lot of personal historians, um, you know, very very often we come into this this profession because of some specific event or or a moment that made us realize that hey this is what we want to do. So can you start by telling listeners a little bit about you and what it was that got you into personal history? I would love to do that. Yeah, actually, what happened is uh, I had my radio business and we were expanding well. I had taken on a partner to help me expand it. And uh, he was an avid pilot and uh, he ended up in a plane crash and his he and, oh. his, he and his wife died. And it really shook. Uh, we were such close friends to my wife and his family. And so it just, you know, changed everything for us. And it changed what I really wanted to do with that business. I really kind of lost my heart for it. Um, and so, you know, while I, we were in the process of dealing with the the issues of how do I deal with the legal aspects of what do I do with a partner who is no longer here, um, his estate planning attorney got in touch with me to settle the affairs. And while she was there, she said, you know, the more I know about this, the more I feel like, you know, you should continue with that business or something. But I have somebody that you might want to meet that could do business with you. And so she introduced me to a gentleman who had started, uh, who had lost his mother to Alzheimer's and his father a year later, uh, a year later when his daughter was only daughter was two. And so mm -hmm. he, he realized that she was never going to know anything about her grandparents and as far as uh, he was his relationship as it goes for so many families they, his parents never really talked about their life and their story so he felt a need to do something and because of his uh, experience in hospice going through all that he developed a, a, a program that would um, help uh, caregivers in hospice to record the stories of their patients. Back then it was with cassettes and that sort of thing. And uh, he just, it started to really blossom in the hospice space. And so, you know, she felt that there must be some connection to me that I might be able to help him on my radio show. Well, anyways, when I met him, uh, we came, to, I came to realize that we were in kind of the same grieving spot and felt that there was something more important than going into radio. And I was weaning my way out anyways. And so I said, what do you think, you know, when you really think about it, the, the the life lessons and experiences of our elders um, are being lost and taken to the grave every day. And it must be, and with the boomers entering their legacy years, you just can almost imagine that chances are we're, we're potentially losing the greatest body of wisdom there 
ever was on the planet just by, you know, apathy or people not knowing or realizing the value of their life experiences. We should do something on a, a on a scalable level because we know we have all these little niches that are out there, but there's something that really can scale up. And that's when we uh, said, let's get into business together. We've started, um, uh, started out as a nonprofit and, and then moved into, uh, it, it just needed to be able to go more commercially. So we started a socially responsible enterprise and we started the Living Legacy Project. And this was in 2008. And then we really started to, at first, just to try and get families to do start to make it was more of an awareness campaign and um you know but getting people to take action on their own was really difficult and so we started over the years to learn technology and we developed the legacy stories.org website we wanted to make it a free website so that there was no no barrier to giving people a way to at least tell their story in some way or another and trying to there's enough barriers and of procrastination and all that already as soon as you put a dollar in front of it it seems like nothing happens and so we made it free and we then um uh then started to we were funding it ourselves and then started to need to know that there was some way to sustain it so we started an area where we focused on maybe working with businesses and getting people who serve their families to have some kind of a way to add value to their services by enabling them with the training and everything that uh, Dennis Stack was my partner's name my and now my co-founder and get use that to help from out of hospice to put it in a business environment. He had learned so much. So over the course of several years, we were able to train uh, over 5,000 hospice caregivers. We worked in over 800 hospices that allowed them the ability. And we learned so much about the interview process, how to get somebody who doesn't want to talk to start talking, how to de deal with the resistance to want to even talk about themselves, you know, those the generations. And so in all of this, we were able to figure out how we could, could take that knowledge and apply it to different niches. And so we figured that if we could take that information and 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 be able to create um, value add solutions for different niches, such as home care. Get them when they're not in hospice. Get them a little further up the chain. Get them into memory care, where as soon as the the diagnosis happens, we know the clock is ticking, and now the the priority rises up uh, to a, a higher level. Where now, if you're going to have something to say, now's the time to do it. So we worked in memory care and started to, you know, bring them into the picture and enable them with our technology. And then also, then we moved further up the line and started to go to home care and then independent living and did the same there. We, you know, some of the largest, uh, nation's largest home care providers use our system and our training throughout uh, their um, organizations. And then we felt that there was another area that could really be further along back the line along the line and that's was in the estate planning and and um uh and in the uh wealth management uh, uh arena and financial services and these are trusted advisors who are dealing with uh people planning their retirement and, and their transitions uh, and transferring their assets to the next generation. So then we were able to, uh, with Dennis was a former wealth manager and, and, and uh, um, financial advisor and actually a, a, a senior VP. And so we worked we knew how to approach them. And then we started to work with some advisors and we adapted our training so that they would be able to bring that added value to their clients. And then that's what we've pretty well been really focused on in just the last, um, I'd say, five years has been mostly 
working there because it's so far in advance and there's so much value that's needed and these people need a way to differentiate themselves. So our system now is working in a lot of uh, well-known uh, with, with um, agents and advisors and Raymond James and um, uh, AXA advisors and um, Edward Jones and a, a lot of independents and then especially in the um, – estate planning arena. And that began uh, to take place uh, to the point where people started to feel that there was a real benefit to that and it filled a void for them. And so now all of a sudden it's becoming, it's just finally getting up to the corporate level and mm -hmm. people are starting to realize this is an, an add-on that they must have. Tom, I know that the whole legacy, interest in legacy has really taken off for wealth managers. I've been asked to speak to some um, groups of estate planners and wealth managers. And it's, you know, part of it is that it's, it's so disheartening if you talk to them, because I think now they say that within three generations, 70% of the wealth has been dissipated. And you know, what I think is even more tragic is that the, you know, there's the matriarch and the patriarch generation, and they're the ones who are working really hard to create this wealth or, or build a family company. Um, the second generation generally understands they've seen that, you know, they've maybe been a part of that, but they've seen how hard their parents have worked. And then by that third generation, they're, they're benefiting from the wealth that's been accumulated, but they don't understand unless some sort of legacy project is put in place. They don't understand what went into it. They don't understand the values that the the patriarch and the matriarch generation had. And, um, and you know, with great wealth can often come great burdens. And so it's not just the wealth that's dissipating, but sometimes the people themselves. And, and so now I, you know, I'm hearing what you're saying about that now wealth managers are really starting to recognize that this is something that they can help um, their clients with because they don't want to do all of this work that is going to end up in failure down the road, right? So even when they're doing the tax planning and the, and the um, you know, creating wills, creating the estate plans, you know, it's, it has to be very, um, it can't be very good to know that there's a high rate of failure for that. So now they're getting proactive and bringing in people like you. And can you, can you talk a little bit about what you do specifically for them? Sure. I would love to talk about that. Let me give you a few statistics that I think are uh, pretty eye-raising for, especially for your audience and thinking in terms of, is there an opportunity here to be working with wealth managers and estate planners and why? So there's a phrase that we coined, wealth without the wisdom that created it is it's wasted by heirs. And they're now just coming to realize that. Here's some statistics on that. First of all, have you seen the um, Allianz study? Allianz did a study, a survey of baby boomers and their parents, and they asked them to rank in priority what they would want to pass down in inheritance. And they, they asked them to rank their life stories and their life lessons, and then their personal possessions that were important, and then their financial assets and real estate. 81% said that their life lessons and values and their family history was the most important thing they want to pass down. Mm -hmm. Only 9% said the most important thing was their financial assets. So what we're looking at here is we're looking at a phenomena that especially, again, as I say, boomers are entering their legacy years. I call it a legacy wave is underway. And these people now are for the first time, at least they've been in denial for a while, but they're beginning to reflect on what their lives were like and what it meant and what they can now do to make a difference. And when they do, it's not just on the money side. And so, you know, when you look at it, yet there are very few people who are in the scheme of things who are actually providing a way for them to pass down their life lessons and their stories. So, 
yet here are these advisors who are looking for any way possible to get in front of their clients again without them thinking, here comes the money guy again. Um, and here is a way for them to communicate in a meaningful way. More importantly, and traditionally, as you know, uh, most of the estate planning and the financial uh, issues of a family have predominantly been with the patriarch. The matriarch has been left out of that conversation. I'll give you another statistic, uh, and it reminds me of this 90%. Merrill Lynch did a thing and said that 90% of heirs are going to fire their advisors when they receive their inheritance. And the reason why is because there is no relationship in there. So now financial management is pretty much a commodity these days with robo-advisors and all that. And everybody just expects your advisor to you know, give me a basic return, and it's all pretty much – uh, commodity. The only thing that makes a difference is the relationship. So people will jump mm -hmm. ship in an instant. They'll jump ship and leave an advisor. And so these people then could spend two decades, 20, 30 years building up a book of business and they want to retire and they'd love to be able to retire on the, the, the value of their business and sell their book to somebody. Unfortunately, as their clients are aging out, they're losing nine out of 10 of their clients because they didn't have a relationship with the uh, heirs and actually no relationship for the most part, with the matriarch of the family. So what happens is there's this tremendous opportunity to stop that by going in and helping them establish a really deep relationship, bringing the matriarch into the conversation by talking about the values versus the valuable side of their legacy planning tremendous opportunity for them and they're grabbing onto it because it's helping them retain clients longer it's helping them to meet other people in the family who can become clients and so our solutions that we provide them we have a legacy coaching system that walks them step by step through a process that allows them to have that legacy talk and it's the it's a, just a one hour to 90 minute legacy talk that they can have with their clients that changes the whole relationship and it deepens it so that then instead of them being the family, the, the client's financial advisor, it becomes the family's advisor. It changes everything. And so yeah. that's kind of where we've been focusing on. And uh, that's the value add they bring to their clients. Right. So w one conversation that I've had uh, with multiple wealth managers is that, um, you know, if you're if you're dealing with high high wealth families, often they'll have family meetings. So you know, once a year they they gather everybody together at you know some location, and it can go for a weekend, and the wealth managers then are are there too. So there, you know, they might have been going to those meetings for twenty years, um, but even in those cases, sometimes they're still seen, like you said, as the money person, and um, the and then so I guess my question is. Is there any pushback? So if if you're going in as a wealth manager and all of a sudden you're saying, hey, instead of having sort of a transactional um, relationship with you, I want to hear about your stories. I want to hear about your history or I want I want to help you share that with the other generations in your family. It, are there uh, are there roadblocks to doing that to having that person who has traditionally been the the financial person come in and change that conversation or um, um, or are they finding that they can do that with your training? Yeah, they do it with the training. And be honest with you, I really haven't extended. This is relatively, you know, we're learning our way through this, and uh, but. Because it's taken so long for them to even adapt this kind of concept. Only now is it really beginning to become something. But something happened. So I haven't really I don't I don't know much about the annual family meeting. We really operate on the macro scale so that I give you really where it all matters. And here's something that's important for your listeners because this is the this is where your business can grow in a real organic way. So there was there's a writer, uh, Russ Allen Prince. He's a, a contributing writer for Forbes, and he did a study that he found out, and this was published in Forbes. He said, um, when you know eight of your clients' core values, they will give you 100% of their assets, and they'll give you 4.1 on average 
introductions. When they give, mm-hmm. when, if you only know five of their core values, you will then get 72% of their business and 7.1, uh, 1.7 introductions. If you only know two or three, you'll get less than 50% and you'll get zero introductions. So it is all about knowing your client's value system. Our entire system is designed so that you that's what a legacy talk does, is it just covers a, a 10,000 foot, nothing probing, conversation, not even, it's not a probe or an interview, nothing deep, but it allows the client to have this conversation where the, the, first of all, the advisor will be stunned, even no matter how much they think they know about their clients, they're going to learn things in this that are going to be, that's going to open their eyes. And more importantly, uh, to a deeper level with the, the client, more importantly, the client is the process it then makes them aware in the telling of their stories of how much of a treasure they possess because this just touches the very tip of the iceberg of really valuable life lessons and experiences that they've had and because of that then and in the process we show how at certain points in that conversation the advisor can identify some kind of a common element in that that touches that touches even close and they interject a little piece of their own com- story in it and that is very helpful without and we tell them don't be dominating this is about them not you but just mm-hmm. telling that little sharing tidbit two or three times during the conversation all of a sudden the client looks at that advisor and no kidding it's we had somebody just the other day have this conversation and he had no idea that this person was a pilot he said oh so you're a pilot yeah i fly too and that moment right there changes the whole conversation and the whole relationship to the friend they have just this common interest and that's all they had to do now it's all now they really are friends more than their client uh advisor Mm -hmm. and the relationship and in the end, the, 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 what happens is not just the 4.1 introductions that you would get if you knew their values and they talked to them about, you know, just, just referring you as a money guy, but the experience that the client has is so profound that they will be say they've never had anything like this. And next thing you know, they're saying, oh, you know, my sister-in-law would love to have this experience and they feel like they want everybody to know about it and the rate of introductions goes through the roof so it is a tremendous way to generate um more you know high quality referrals and business for them and that's kind Mm -hmm. of the process that we go through now after they have had that experience now certain certain financial advisors as you know are restricted from doing any fee-based work and that sort of thing. Everything's moving to fee-based. But if you're independent, you're an RIA or something like that, you can do fee-based consulting. Now, there's a benefit to not even doing fee-based at all. Just now that they understand that and they have had this awakening and they realize how important their story is, it's at that point that they introduce our platform to them. They get them signed up, they get them registered, and they bring the heirs in who are younger and they understand the heirs, if they're older clients, will know how to download the app, manage the account, do the work for them. And it's a great value add to get into the system. Okay, so let me stop you there. Sure. When you're talking about the platform, you're talking about the the um, legacy uh, stories. Yep. dot org, and Correct. that's a platform where anybody it doesn't have to be through a, a financial planner. Anybody can go in. They sign up. It's free. I think you may have um, like an an upgrade if somebody has too much information or not too much information, <laughs> but if they're if they need if they need more memory. Um, but it's um, it's where People can go in and tell their stories. Why don't you uh, – actually, I have two questions. Um, 
first off, uh, what I would like you to do is just explain a little bit what that is. And then uh, I just want to clarify. So you built the the platform. Um, it complements what you're doing with your training and the coaching of the wealth advisors, because then they, they can go and have these conversations with their clients, um, start uh, educating their clients on how important it is and what a what a profound experience it can be to share their life stories. And then they have a place to actually send them, which would be the LegacyStories.org platform. Is that correct? Yes, just about. Our platform is con- comprised of the website, which I'll describe a little more. And then the we have an app. I'll describe that. And then it comes with a physical, tangible handbook. This is just a eight and a half by 11, 32 page handbook. It's nothing, you know, really heavily involved with tabs and all that sort of stuff. And the three of them together are the tools that actually make things happen. So if you don't mind, I'll start with what goes on in the in the website. So the, the website is designed so that, uh, well, you, the only reason any, anybody would need, we give everybody a gigabyte of space. We have really honestly have not had anybody except a couple of museums upgrade to more than that. You can just imagine what it would take because we actually tell people less is more. We don't want them mm. to load this stuff up. You that know. is such a good lesson that, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm working with a client right now who has just walls full of uh, photo albums and none of them are, um, very many of them have no names or anything. So it's, it's, it's stories and the artifacts that you're right. Less is so much more. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that is, that is something that not a lot of people recognize. You have to think about it. It's not just in pictures. I mean, if you want to see the, the ocean of photos we have. So what we want to do is we want to be able to identify the ones and we teach them how to identify what the difference between a a sentimental photo or just a photo that you have as a hobby, whatever, and a legacy photo. And even in your legacy photos that represent a real piece of family history, do you really need five pictures Mm -hmm. of the same thing in different angles? It's just to pick out the ones that could really a story could be told by. And so the same thing when you're telling your stories. So we have an editor that you can go into the site and you, you know, how many words can you write before you use a gigabyte of space? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you, you can tie in and we're telling people that, you know, a story can be as much as a paragraph or a page. It doesn't have to be a whole memoir. Just it's a story. This happened to me and it's part of the little piece of my history in there. And so it's multimedia. You can, you know, import pictures and all that sort of stuff in it. It's a typical, so you might call it a story, a personal or a family story blog, you can start, and then Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And then we have a way for people to select the pictures that matter most and organize them online. So they're able to create different albums of different milestones and defining moments in their life. And this isn't like Picasso or some, you know, every, you want to put all your pictures of, you know, the, 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 the Key West sunset going down and, you know, <laughs> it's, it's only, unless that was one of them was sold, you know, but you understand what that is. So people aren't storing thousands of pictures up there. They're storing the ones that matter most, but it gives you a way to at least organize them. You can deal with what you do with them afterwards. And then we We have an audio component where people can do oral histories, and we always say the same thing. You might be able to tell an incredible oral history over the course of uh, an hour or two in a recorded session. Well, the idea is you have to think of who you want to consume the content. Is it going to be for all of your 75-year-old siblings, or is it going to be for grandchildren who are living in 140 characters or less environment? Mm. And so they will, uh, will, and we've seen it happen where they'll will do it. Somebody will do an oral history. It'll be this fantastic um, uh, description of an event or whatever that goes on for an hour. And you send it to the children, and I mean children of 50 degrees, 50 years old or less, or even 60. And they'll look at it and they'll just say, this sounds like it. Listen to a couple of words. This sounds fantastic. I can't wait to hear it. I'm going to park it over here until I get to it. And they never get to it. So like in our app, we limit all stories to three minutes. And you'd be amazed how much 
it's an eon to talk for three minutes about a specific event or story. But you can always do part two, part three. But when you give it to people in small bites, they'll go, oh, that was awesome. I want to listen to another one. I got to hear another one. The idea is to be able to have, have it passed down in a way that would people would say, yeah, give me more. So that's what we're able to do on the site. And also you can connect with family much like Facebook and you can discriminately share everything, whether you want to keep it private or just share with family, or you can put it in our public library. So we have a public library that um, we always recommend. You know, you can enrich the world with some of your stories. You'd be surprised. People love to hear how other people's stories are. So you can decide to put them in the public library. And when you do that, you can actually get followers that want to hear more about your stories and they they're google searchable and all that and oh um, that's that's fan, that's a great service for anybody i mean for if, exactly. if for historians you know because if you if you go to uh historical archives i've been to the ones in missouri and um kansas and uh, you know you could have wonderful repositories of oral histories but most of them are still on you know old tape and they have never been transcribed so if you have something that people are can make available to the public online and is searchable Oh my gosh, there's so much that can be done with that. There's no question. That's why yeah. museums use this service as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but uh, on that note, you mentioned trend, uh, uh, old recordings. So, where do you go online to listen to digitally transferred old cassettes, reels to reels, and audio, you know, audio? you know, audios that you may have had, maybe it's a recital, maybe it's a, just a conversation, maybe who, whatever it is that, but you have them. Everybody has these old cassettes and things that they recorded. Now, just like anything else, there's probably a whole bunch of it. That's pretty much just fun for me, but there are things in there that capture your voice, your personality that doesn't have to be you telling what happened back then, but it was you actually then, or you're talking to your parents at a time that you're capturing their voice. Well, some of these are, are, is legacy content. Getting that, you know, converted to digital. Where can you go? You can't put it on YouTube. You got to make a video out of it. And so our audio component not only will upload from an app, but you can uh, put these segments up to about 40, 40 to 45 minutes, which, you know, we still say people should edit them, but a lot of people don't know editing. But we can take as much as about a 45 minute um, audio and you can organize them into albums and all of that sort of thing and make them shareable, put on the uh, in the public library or just with family and friends, however you want to do it. But it's a way for you to do that. I was in a band for the first 10 years I was married and with my two brothers. And my wife used to go everywhere and she'd sit in the back of the, she'd sit in the back of the room in the technology of the day with this old TAC reel to reel and just record our, our performances where we went. And, you know, that was a long time ago. And when we moved about 12, 15 years ago, there was a whole book three or four boxes of these. And I'm saying, oh, you mean you kept all these things? And I had gone way past all that by then. Well, I set off into a, a mission to try and get them transferred. And I'm telling you, they were, you know, they started losing their magnetism. They were busting apart. And I went, oh, thank God we found these now. And I was able to get them digitized, of which then I was able to say, not this one. This, we did the same song we played in 20 different places. That's the best version of it, da, 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 da. So I created, I was able to digitize them. And so in my particular legacy portfolio, I have a whole album that's up there of just the best of the best of my band mm. recordings. So people can do this on the site and it's a place for you to organize them so that's okay that's let me, let me ask you real quick so you're, you're talking about people can upload things uh, take analog recordings how does that work just from a technical standpoint well it's not analog you'd have to have your analog old cassettes and reel-to-reels digitized gotcha then, and then they upload it yeah that's how okay. it works but you save them and now they're there and they're organized in such a way you can add a picture to each audio too and you know you can Put it on if you have a picture that relates to it, if you happen to. We do have a section where people can form family groups 
in there as well. So um, with regards to, say, wealth managers, I mean, they have all of these, you know, family vaults where they can upload their, uh, they try to have the virtual family offices where you upload really sensitive documents and all of your deeds and old, you know, the, the documents that really matter. We're encrypted at the same level uh, from a security wise that we're on the Amazon cloud. We're encrypted the same way that they are and uh, Netflix and these and that, but we're not bank encrypted. Like they would have their families do that. So they have platforms that do that. It allows people to upload pictures to a group and have, have their family come in and it can operate as a virtual family office on the, on the story side of their legacy. Mm. And so it allows them to have conversations. It can put a picture up and say, this is a great thing. I remember what happened here. And I remember, so you can do that in the site too. So, so let's, let's go back to how you um, market this. I mean, I know you said a long time ago, you, you, you had gotten your feet wet and gotten a lot of know-how just by going out and training with the hospice um, training hospice workers Mm-hmm. So, um, how how does that look now? Like, who are the people that are using this service, and how are you finding them? I can help you with a lot of ways. We really feel that the best way to do this is to work. It's it's a hard way to find. It, 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 it's it you can find families individually on their own and try to sell them your service. And it does work more and more people are doing it. There's a whole marketing effort to do that. We found that by that we can find clients and do more work if we enable the people who serve them. You get the one one to many effect. So that if I can have a good relationship with one home care provider or one uh, senior living or a good estate planner, once they have your trust and they can see what it is you're doing, I mean, they're not going to open up their they're putting their their clients to you and make an introduction without having a total amount of trust in you. But when you do, you have potential of one center of influence and people do take the advice from their trusted advisor. So then you get the one to many effect and then we get all of their clients or many of their clients into the system, into the program, and they have the benefit of making that introduction. So we found for us, it's been more cost effective, if you will, we get more out of focusing on serving the people who serve the potential clients. And so our marketing efforts have been starting mostly in the home care providing uh, area. I will give you some (laughs) hints on how difficult that is. Mm -hmm. You'll find they all love this idea and you give them, we sold tons of them to these people. The problem is we were never really able to see a lot of them execute it and move forward. And the reason for that, we'll just take home care, for example, home care when, when, you know, it's a great time because this is the first time somebody needs help in the home. It's a day of reckoning for their elder and the families, you know, all wondering how this is going to go. And there's such a saturation of home care providers out there that differentiation is key. So they love the differentiation. The problem is, is that now that the people are in there training, the turnover of the caregivers is it's it's relentless. So you have to train the caregiver to be able to sit there instead of sitting with the client and watching Oprah. Let's let's talk about collecting some of your stories here. I'll ask some questions and record. Well, the whole idea is the family loves the idea, but the caregivers don't last very long. And plus, just trying to get them on the phone to have the conversation with them. You know, when you onboard a new client, that happens at the client's home where the, you have to go out there, see the situation, what kind of challenges are going to be and where you're going to go so you can assign the right caregiver to them. So it's a very chaotic industry and it's just difficult to get them to do ultimately what it is you want them to do. And so some of them are fantastic but you'll find that you could you could spend a lot and it's the same thing in assisted living 
they've been approached. They love the whole idea of stories, but the activity directors are totally, they have no time uh, on their hand in these places. No matter how much money they have, they're understaffed. Everything needs corporate approval. It's difficult to get systems into them. Now, we have succeeded at this, but it's a one out of 50 relentless thing to have that happen. Mm -hmm. And so we do have a lot of sales and we have some people doing the work, but it's in the senior continuum, but uh, it's not as, as, as rich and prime as you might think it is. It's really not as prime as working with the estate planners who see a serious advantage in doing this, not just for differentiation, but also just because there's all kinds of business that can come from that. It really affects their bottom line uh, in a very positive way. And they are transactional thinkers and you can make a case for this with them. And then if you stay with them, they will do the work with the client. And so, and that's the idea is you want them to become coaches. They don't want to change their profession. They want to just be the person that makes the client aware of it, introduces it to other family members, and gets them to give them the tools to take it forward. And then depending on the advisor, they have assistants, and some of them, especially estate planners, will want to then put packages together where they will set up a continuity program where, you know, now that you know the tools, life's going to get in the way as excited as you are and as important as you know it is, life's going to get in the way and all of a sudden you just aren't doing it. So let's make sure that since we know how important this is, let's make sure that it doesn't get away from you. And let's just set something up like Tuesdays with Maury. We'll get together, you know, every Thursday, what works for you. We'll set this up, you know, once a month, we'll meet for an hour and we'll, you know, set something up where we just close everything down. One hour where you'll invest a month. And uh, this is, by the way, a program that we, in you know, advise all of our uh, that we train legacy consultants as well. And so the people that are listening to you, that's something that they can do is once they understand it and try and instead of trying to sell somebody a $5,000 job, you do it in small steps over time. And somebody doesn't have to give up their whole life to do their, their story. You can just say, let's just take this a little bit at a time. It's certainly worth it. So you get this little thing where the third Thursday at 10 o'clock every month, we, that's a sacred time. We get together, we do a little more on it, a little and two or three sessions, they begin to see the, the, the process really start to manifest into something that they truly are now invested in. Okay. And so then they can uh, let me, that. let me, I, I'm a little unclear. When you, you have the training programs and the coaching programs to teach the, um, the financial advisors say, or, you mm-hmm. know, these, these professionals, are they the ones that are actually sitting down with their clients um, on, um, you know, every other week or on a monthly basis to help them really do really gather these stories only those estate planners and people who want to make it a fee-based system oh, I got you. Uh, you know if, if uh, and, and they want to add that revenue stream most of them just want the opportunity to get the value add when they make the introduction and get them started and then what they'll do is they will say now that we've got started you know you we need to bring the story keeper from the family into this conversation because the story keeper is that's a person who is just you know can do a lot of legwork and helping and they introduce them they show them how to do it they give them the handbook they show how the questions are laid out the the legacy asset checklist that's in there the legacy letter templates that are there and they explain all that and they try to get it's an idea of getting somebody in the family to interact with their elder uh, to keep them on very few people are going to go home and just start writing. Or oh, that's so story. true. Yeah, that's so true. Or or speaking into a recorder, which, you know, yeah, everybody thinks it's so happen. easy. We have the technology, right. but but to actually- You need a implement. dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you right. need a dialogue. You need a an assistant. And that's why I really do believe that there is a tremendous growing need for professional historians and professional legacy consultants uh, to be able to perform the work and act as that liaison that either 
gets the family to interact and they act as a coach. Or if they want to, they can say, you know, I can do this on your behalf if you'd like. And, you know, you just, you know, do the work and you can do the work. That's more. Those are people who do want to sit and do the interviews and all where the advisor will get enough of the value system that locks them in for a long time. And if they don't really care so much about it's not their core competence, they don't really they want to add a legacy component, but they don't necessarily want to get into a hole. Uh, they don't have the staff or whatever uh, to do that. Um, but they want to check in from time to time. It gives them a reason to say, hey, it's been a couple of months. How are you doing with that system? Come on in and let me see if I can get you started. This time, bring your bring your son in and we'll do whatever, and we'll have this conversation together and see if we can get them going. And it just gives them more opportunities in a coming in sideways in a, in a soft mm-hmm. way to be able to get to meet other family members, not necessarily to generate money by that meeting. They want the assets under management. And so in, in that, in that way. And, and so, um, under this model, a personal historian, especially, you know, well, I was going to say, especially somebody new, but it really doesn't matter. A personal historian can go and pitch, I guess, their services as, what did you call it, a legacy consultant or a legacy advisor. They, right. they can go right. to um, these wealth managers and say, hey, you know, here's a program, you know, Tom Cormier has, and I can be the person who's actually sitting down and helping the person record the stories. Am I understanding that right? Yes, that's exactly right. And what what will happen, because for these people, it's, you know, and they're not just going to do it in an instant. They they need to have that trust before they're going to open up a high net worth client to you. But, and everybody knows, a, 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 you know, an estate planner somewhere, but to actually grow, if you're, if you're in the business and want to grow your business, then the idea is, first of all, some of our consultants will sell the system to them. It's like two grand and they'll sell that coaching system to them. Wait, they'll sell, uh, they'll sell the coaching system to whom? To the advisors or to the estate planners. They'll, they'll have that. Mostly we sell them from, you know, directly, but our consultants who work, um, they, it's one way that they can generate revenue. Although it isn't their primary way, you can go in and introduce the system to them. And then when they buy it, you'll be able to say, not only will you do that, but you'll get my help and I'll help you to get through the tutorials, the training. You might even do the training for them themselves. It's only a few hours of work to do what they need to do. And once you know it, you can sell that service. But okay, now, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt again too, because I didn't realize sure. that you had consultants. Can you talk about that? Yeah, well, that's uh, we founded in 2011 the International Association of Storykeepers, and the acronym there is I Ask. And um, but in any case, this is a network of about 300 consultants at this point, and I'll be flat out honest with you, they are. Uh, 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 like anything else, it's normally the 80-20 rule of people really doing anything. And in this case, because most of these people are people that are looking for an encore career, they have a passion for it and they'd like to do it. It's more of a part-time thing and it attracts, we find that it attracts uh, people who are born to serve, not to sell. Mm -hmm. And so they come in and it's hard to get them to understand that you're essentially uh, whatever you want to call it, whether I'm a personal historian or anything, like you are a consultant. And so to start a consulting business is a lot of work to get that first client. And then, you know, then there's this gap between the second and before you start to get referrals and grow. So you spend 90% of your time and on not a lot of income in the early stage of consulting. But as you stick through it and you get your businesses, well, within a year or two, it starts to go the other way. Now you're getting rid of clients that you really feel like you're not really benefiting and you're getting the referrals to get A-list clients. So you're doing much less work for 10 times the money. So, but they and, you and have these, to understand these, um, So the consultants, who are their clients then? They are, they're going out and they're trying to find the professionals who need this value yeah. add to bring to their own clients. Okay. Okay. That's a really interesting in- model. 
They do it. They do it a number of ways. Like, for example, we have we are because of our program. They, I mean, the, we have consultants that are all in the United. We're in five countries, oh. and so we we have one uh, lady who basically is in Australia, and she got together. I mean, it depends on how uh, who they know and how diligent they are, but she got together with the National Bank of um, Australia and the government and they put together a program that funded her so she didn't have to sell they fund her to create a network of uh, story capture in uh, in all of the uh, libraries around that connected the seniors to come in and do that so she got a project going and of course what she does is they do the recordings they use our platform to be able to get the uh, you know the the business in and she gets funded and she also mm-hmm. does other businesses. That's like a dream then, job <laughs> to not have to well, worry about is. sending out invoices and things, but to be funded. It is. <laughs> yeah. Let me give you. Another, let me give you another one. So we have the oldest church in all of uh, Ohio, and there's a lady. She's 73 years old, and she's doing this as an encore. And you, if you spoke to her, you'd never think she really had any ability to. I, you'd think that she's so shy, and she was a court reporter. She kept her mouth shut for mm-hmm. 40 years, you know, but heard incredible stories, right? And so, but then again, she just wouldn't think that she'd be the kind to be aggressive at all, and she really isn't. But she, you know, went in and she has met people in the course of doing it. She focused mainly in senior care, in hospice, but also uh, in uh, memory care because she was very big and she lost her husband and very big in Alzheimer's. So she went in there and then this, uh, some people that she was at with, I can't remember the name of it, but they have five huge senior living co- uh, um, communities, you might say, you know, soup to nuts. And they, that was, they decide, they told her that rather than try to have you go in and meet each client family and see if you can take their thing, put a package together uh-huh. of so many, so many, you'll do so many recordings for each resident. Each of these places has over 200 residents and you'll do that. Plus you'll give them this and you'll give them one of our handbooks and put that package together because we know that we can get a state grant for this. So she's in, they know how to do it and they're ready to do it. And they're going to pay her X amount of money for each of those interviews for all 200. And then once that goes, they're going to do all 200 in the other four communities and she's not going to have to sell anything. And so there's that kind of thing. And then we do have, and then we do have people that are working uh, in senior care, but also with estate planners and um, advisors. Now, this same lady, the oldest church, we have several faith legacy projects going on and around the country. And what she did is she also, and that's how she got to meet the people in the senior living to get the grant. She didn't do it to make money. She just went to her church, which is a really old Presbyterian, I think. And she went to the pastor and said, you know, why couldn't we do like a faith, uh, 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 stories of our faith with the congregation? It's a very old church, so they're losing all their youth. And, you know, it's it's an old congregation. And she and, and the woman, she introduced our platform and what we could possibly do. And, the, and she had a female p- pastor, and she absolutely loved the idea. So here's what happens. They, every Sunday or for the month, they come up with a topic. How did you find your faith? What was your challenge? You know, um, uh, one of the things that happened in your life that challenged your faith that you had overcome or something like that. And they'll just make that the topic. And then what happens is the youth will go to the diff- into the house. They know how to download the app and they'll go in and ask that question. Mm. They upload it to the, and so we set up a profile in the platform that's just for the church. Everybody else has their independent family profiles, but then where they can build their own portfolio, but they're all connected to the church. So the whole congregation that is participating is all there in one group, as you may. And then what happens is she goes and picks out the stories that are relevant in that month that pertain to the gospel she wants to talk about in her wow. thing. So she puts up this rickety little screen on the on right on the the 
pulpit up there, and she has some speakers, and it's a beautiful church that everybody kind of sits in a semicircle, and then she does her, uh, she does her normal gospel speech to everybody, and she says, and here is an example over here. So then she plays the audio; it shows just a picture of the person, and here's it with permission, of course. And here's this person that's been sitting next to you for the last thirty-five mm-hmm. years, every single Sunday, and this person is saying that, and all of a sudden, this an enormous continuity of faith that happens. Everybody knows that person differently. The kids got involved; that got involved. And all of a sudden, it's news in the news in the community that's going on. They're getting more people come into the church. And what happens is some of the older people who don't know how to set stuff up and do this and everything, she just goes and does stuff for free. She goes in there just as a good – she's the sweetest woman, good of her heart. And while she's there, the people are saying, do you know how I could get these photos? Because she's huh. dealing with that. Do you know how I could do this? Well, I'd be happy to do that. She ended up getting a ton of business that way. So it's all about giving and in doing it in the right way. And that's what our cause is all driven by, you know, giving. And all of a sudden, she's getting business. So it may not be the most conventional, I got to get my marketing, I got to get this. It's different ways that we try to introduce people to do this. So that's well, the way. I yeah. And I think it's so interesting, too, because, uh, you know, the way that I work and a lot of more conventional personal historians work, you know, we're we are working with you might have more than one client at any given time. And hopefully you do. Right. But but you're working with them one on one. And what you're explaining, it's more of a it's it's more of a well, especially the example with the church. It's more of a community um history gathering effort and then the fact that the the pastor or the minister is curating the the stories so right. she's getting to know them she's using their messages to reinforce everybody's faith and everybody is getting to know each other i mean one of the one of my favorite little activities when i go do presentations just to give people an idea of what it feels like to do personal to uh, not to do personal history history as a personal historian, but to have to be able to tell your story. So to be able to uh, be the storyteller is I'll just say, okay, now look look at the person next to you and share a story about your name, your first name or your middle name. And you know, I, I do that because I don't want them to get into genealogy. And people get so jazzed up by it because it's <laughs> uh, it's that connection, and it's a very simple connection. But it can be people that have been meeting for decades, and they you know they're they're learning something about each other that they did not know before like they're they're just tweaking their perspective just a little bit and it can it it's it's fun and it gets the emotions flowing and it shows them the value of you know get to know each other in a different way on a different level um and that's exactly Absolutely. what you're allowing to do on sort of this you have this this umbrella um way of doing it and it's so like you said from the from the what was your phrase from one to many i i love that yeah Yeah, the one to many effect and the idea is that you know now our our people do we show people how to bill for their work and how to do that sort of thing we have a whole thing called legacy labs that people can watch these one hour videos that you know will tell you everything how to network how to use linkedin how to get traffic to your site and you know how to what are your goals and stuff like that basic business 101 stuff but we don't spend a lot of time on it with them this is it take it it'll help you go like that that was one of the benefits that we had about working with professionals is they already know all that stuff Mm. they're already in business we can just give our program to them but you know, it's the same program. If somebody were to take our coaching program and, and we have uh, about five new ones right now who are coming in and I'm going to be working with them to try and really figure out, I am working with them to try and figure out how we can tweak it so that they can get more business directly, you know, where they don't have any business to start with. And that's a very exciting program that people are on right now. But the other thing you mentioned, um, 
you mentioned uh, uh, workshops. So one of the biggest thing we do, we've created this little template that gives people a script and some slides and they can insert their own where they eventually do a workshop where uh, it's promoted so that when they uh, do this workshop, it's essentially a, a one hour legacy talk that can be as little as one, uh, 10 minutes where the audience tells their stories and it's done in a way that they re realize, wow, I do have a treasure. I don't want to risk losing this. And in the course of doing that, the person that's making the presentation will interject similar stories of their own as it goes mm -hmm. along. And the same effect happens only with an audience, which then when they're done, re the advisors are getting appointments to come in on that side of things. And oh, by the way, while we're talking, who's managing your assets? And it really, mm -hmm. that has really worked worked out well. A couple other things that we've been trying to do to get the voice out. We started, we, 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 as you know, have the Legacy Cafe podcast, and this is where we cover every aspect of legacy. And what we're trying to do is to change that perception where when people talk about legacy and their story, that it's hard for them to get past that idea of this is all going to happen when I'm dead. We, and that's why we have such a sharing feature about what we do. We want people to celebrate their stories today while they're living. Mm -hmm. If they do that, by default, it's going to pass down. It's just people need to think in terms of we do, sh they're doing it now. You know, I'm at Starbucks, spilled coffee on my feet. See, the picture wasn't that great. And so it, it's real-time documentation. But the fact is, is there's nothing there that talks about what happened before the digital age where you've got the greatest, you know, again, people that lived in the 20th century saw some unbelievable things mm -hmm. and they possess the real-life experience of it. We'd like to know what people are doing and how they lived and how they did that. And sharing that with family, but also sharing it together allows them even with their friends, just like what you just said, who knew that about you? That's amazing because you've only known them in this context. And here's this story that, of course, they don't want to do anything that embarrasses them, but stories that can be shared and they can determine the ones they want to keep private. But those that really can go in there and change everybody's view of you, enhance everybody's persona, percent, uh, you know, perception. So we really think that the Legacy Cafe podcast is all designed to help people to see that it's important to celebrate and get your stories told today where you can have fun with them, where you can enjoy them, where you can enrich people while you're here and experience the feedback of doing that. And so it's a great uh, podcast and we keep them to 20 minutes in length so people can get them on the way to work and get little doses of it. We cover every possible angle of um, uh, of legacy on that. I just wanted to put that out. Uh, yeah, actually, I had that on my list of things to, to mention because I'm a subscriber and it's it's great. Like you said, you talk about everything. Well, it's Rob Lucy is the the host of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, he, you know, it's anything and everything having to do with legacy. And people go out if you you are interested in working in personal history, or if you already are, uh, go and listen to this and um, also leave a review because that's how people will hear about us as a profession. That's how we you know, will rise in the, the public consciousness. The more that we talk, you know, the, the more that we do things like that. Before we close, if anybody is interested in being a consultant for, for your company, are you still taking consultants? Uh, what does that process look like? And and, um, or should they just take the ideas that you've been talking about today? Yeah, I hope that they were able to take a lot of these ideas and just use them as they are. But there are so many mistakes that people will make mm -hmm. along the way that if you can just get some history of, so you don't, we made, we cost us so much to get past where we are and we don't know it all. We'll tell you that, but you know, we know so much that the cost to not have to go through some of those to jump ahead of all of that is great. So we have two, uh, three websites that uh, you should look at. Uh, there's the legacystories.org and that is our, you know, story creation and sharing site. You can go on there right now and, you know, have fun with that. And I've, 
I would enjoy it and appreciate it if you wanted to steer your clients that way. And uh, all of what we talked about. And then there is the uh, LegacyStories.com. And we separate. These used to be together. We separated that out because we really didn't want to put any kind of business anything into the LegacyStories.org site. So we parsed that out. And that's where you can find information about our coaching system. We have a fantastic uh, Legacy Essentials program that's done on a monthly basis uh, that gives you basic kind of information to be able to help your outreach, but it doesn't really give you the coaching aspect of it. And if you go to the coaching, you can schedule a demo and I'll be happy to give you a demo of how it all works, what you get, how to do it. And uh, you'd enjoy that. Uh, Your listeners would really enjoy this and getting in, they would jump them way ahead. And then there's the Legacy Cafe podcast, which is LegacyCafe.org as well. That's all free. Just go in there, pick a subject and listen 20 minutes. You'll appreciate it. And then uh, you'll also learn in your coaching, and you can as well. You can go to any app store and download the Legacy Stories app. Just, you know, go search your store for Legacy Stories. And that app actually is really cool because it takes a picture of, say, the teller or a vintage photo that tells a story that's maybe in an album. And then it allows you to narrate that picture. We found working with seniors that if you have a, you know, some of these people won't say anything, but give them a picture to reminisce with and they'll just all of a sudden, oh, I remember the day that happened. And then you're capturing a, just a genuine, authentic conversation about the picture. And then you upload it to the profile that you create for them online. And, uh, and then you'll find out information about the handbook. You, this is really a key because the handbook is a fantastic item to have. They're, they're 1975, whatever, and, and I, I can't even remember what they are, but they're about 20 bucks. And But, you know, I can give your listeners uh, a discount on that if they want. Uh, and I'll actually give your listeners a discount on the coaching as well. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, well, I'll put links into the show notes for all of that. And um, yeah, I I appreciate that. So thank you so much. Um, It has been such a pleasure talking to you. And you've, my, my brain feels like it's exploding with ideas. That's a problem. (laughs) I mean, this is a movement that we're trying to do. And it covers a lot of bases. As I told you, we're trying to do this in a scalable level. So the more people that can get involved and take this message forward, we call them ambassadors for the Legacy Project, and you can be an ambassador in your area and really kind of use the cause to generate, uh, elevate your community profile and do business that way. And that's what a lot of our people do. Well, sounds great. Thank you for joining us today. And I hope that you'll join us again sometime because I I still have questions to ask you. I would be happy to. I actually want to be talking to you after this as well. So let's stay in touch. And that does it for our interview with Tom Cormier. You can find links to Tom's legacy websites, the Legacy Cafe podcast, and a few other things that we talked about in the show notes. You'll also find links for discounts on the Legacy Handbook and the Legacy Coaching Program that Tom is offering to listeners of the Life Story Coach podcast. I hope this conversation has given you some fresh ideas on how to grow your business. And if you have any other ideas that could help the rest of us or any questions about today's episode, show them in the comments of the show notes at episode 14. And if today's show was helpful, the best way you can return the favor is to leave us a review on iTunes. I'm Amy Woods Butler, personal historian and your coach for building your own personal history business. Now go out and save someone's story.